0: And um, a happy new year, and a happy eighth day of Christmas. I'm still wearing my jumper. Um, Now, um, on a new year, um, it's um, uh, an exciting time in some ways, isn't it, looking ahead to what the new year will bring. Uh, You might be thinking uh, of all sorts of things that that, that are planned for you for this year. You might be um, saying good riddance to last year, I don't know. Um, but it's very important to get our perspective right as we start a new year. Um, I grew up in London, on the highest hill in London. And on New Year's Eve, sometimes I would go up with some friends uh, to a railway bridge uh, that was just um, a, a few hundred metres away from my house, um, where you could see the whole of, the, the whole of London, and, and you could see all of the fireworks going off all, all over the city. Uh, and it was, um, it was very beautiful, but, but it, it would make me think, You know, these fireworks going up miles and miles around, up into the sky. Really think just how tiny I am, um, how small a human being is. And perhaps even more so uh, when I've been uh, outside, away from London, where it's really dark and really clear. I don't know if you've ever done this, just looked up into the sky uh, on a really clear night. No moon, so you can see countless stars. Too, too many to even begin to, to count. Billions upon billions of stars in that sky. And it sort of feels unsettling, doesn't it? When you begin to get that sort of a perspective. A bit like if you're um, uh, in the ocean. if you ever had this? If you're in the ocean or, or in a lake or something, you just think about what's beneath you. You d- just don't know how, how far it goes beneath you. You can get sort of um, overwhelming, this feeling of vastness of our own smallness. If we're going to go about um, a new year the right way, we need a a fresh perspective. And I think Psalm 8 really helps us to do that, because uh, Psalm 8 gives us uh, the right perspective on God and on ourselves. It gets us to see how big God is and how small we are, and how actually, as we understand that, Then we can have the peace and rest and joy that are more stable than anything else in this world. So, uh, first, verses 1 to 3. God is bigger than we can comprehend. Actually, the psalm starts and ends with the same phrase. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How great and royal and beautiful... Uh, is your name. God, how great you are. You, God, you are the ruler over Upton, Northampton, Qatar, Ukraine, the whole world, even beyond this world. Verse one continues, you've set your glory in the heavens. So it's not a bad thing to look up at the sky and see God's glory, God's majesty, his power and greatness on display for all to see. And therefore, all human beings are levelled. We're all uh, pretty much uh, the same as one another. From the newborn baby uh, to the oldest human who's ever lived. There's no difference between us before a god like that. The biggest and the smallest. Just like there's no difference between ants when you compare them to an elephant. And so much more ridiculous than an an ant standing up on its hind legs trying to shout at an elephant would be a human being trying to stand before God and shout at him and go against him. verse 2, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. You see, if someone sets themselves up against God and against God's people. They might feel big, or they might seem big to us, but all they're doing is showing that they're blind to God, to what he really is, to what a silly thing it is they're doing. And when the power of the, the secular world around us seems so strong and uh, so hard to speak up against, have you ever felt that? If you're a a Christian believer here today, perhaps um, think of, I don't know, the the current um, uh, uh, flows, the the, the tide that's pulling us um, in the areas of um, marriage, or abortion, or other faiths, or judgment, or or all sorts of other things. Perhaps uh, when we think of those things, we feel silenced. We can't, we can't say what, what, what God says. Actually, Psalm 8 says it's the other way around. Even if we were a, a little child, just saying what we know to be true from the Bible. Well, it's those who stand against God. However much power and control they seem to have in this world, they'll be silenced. Jesus quotes these verses when um, uh, the great religious leaders of the day Uh, started to get angry because uh, children were uh, shouting about how great Jesus was for all the miracles he was doing. And and, um, these religious leaders were getting jealous. Uh, So in Matthew 21, um, uh, these religious leaders said, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, You, Lord, have called forth your praise? You see, these um, powerful leaders uh, in first century Israel were so intent on being great and having control that they can't see how great God is. But little children, who can understand much less of what's going on around them, can understand this. God is huge. Children, you know that, don't you? He's um, higher than a skyscraper. He's deeper than a submarine. He's wider than the universe. He's beyond our wildest dreams. You know what? I wonder if sometimes we, particularly grown ups, can be a bit like those religious leaders sometimes. Uh, We're too big for our own boots. And we think God should do things our way. Why would God be like this? Why would he do it like that? Perhaps we need to get a little smaller in our eyes. Uh, When I was at uh, theological college, um, uh, the then principal, uh, Mike Ovey, would um, keep coming back to one simple idea. Uh, He called it the the creator-creature distinction. Uh, in most lectures i feel like he'll come back to that idea again and again and again because it's at the heart of a right understanding of reality the difference between god and everything he's made he's not just like a bigger version of me he's the one who imagined me into existence totally differently god is not like us we cannot make him in our image God is so far beyond us that all we can do when we begin to understand him is bow down before him. God is bigger than we can comprehend. So, how then do we begin to get that into our hearts, to to reframe our our thinking? Well, there's a hint, I think, for us in verse uh, 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers... The moon and the stars, which you have set in place. There's one way. Stop and think of all that God has made. Remember uh, where we started, looking up at the night sky. Um, are you up for doing a little imagination exercise for us? If I ask you to close your eyes, will you all fall asleep? We were up too late. Well, let's, let's take that risk, shall we? Okay, everyone close their eyes. Um, uh, well done. Good. You're a very trusting lot. Um, Good. If um, uh, you imagine you're looking down on all of us here, uh, the 70 of us or however many there are, and um, you can see all of us, you you zoom out a little bit, a bit like Google Maps, you can see the the whole of the school and Upton Square, all the houses around Upton, and keep zooming out until you see the the country park and dusting. All 30,000 people who live here, and the whole of uh, the quarter million in Northampton. Keep going until you see um, uh, the, the, the map of the UK, Birmingham, Oxford, London, the, the, the whole country, the sea around us, Europe, the ocean, the whole world. But keep going. See planet Earth getting smaller. Do you see the, the, the solar system, the eight planets together, the huge sun, so much vaster than any of those planets. Our, our whole world, just tiny in comparison. I keep going, our sun begins to pale in comparison with the other stars in our galaxy, so much bigger and brighter. So many of them, you can't even see our sun anymore as you keep going. 100 billion stars in our galaxy. You keep going till our galaxy uh, becomes that sort of spiral shape, one swirling shape. Among so many others, you lose count. Only 200 billion galaxies, all with many billions of stars. God made every single one of them. Open your eyes. I don't know how well your imagination copes with that. Uh, mine um, gets stretched, and I have to imagine pretty much anything. But just thinking like that gives you a bit of perspective, doesn't it? The universe is so vast. God is so much bigger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, or the beginning of verse four, what is mankind? God is so vast. We are so tiny. And that truth affects everything. As we begin to grasp God's greatness, perhaps we can be freed from some of the fears that we have. When we see how massive God is, lots of the other things don't seem, to see, don't seem so massive anymore. Look at the stars, remember how small your boss is compared to the king of kings. Consider how toothless terrorists are compared to the lord of angel armies. Consider how powerless governments Viruses and so on are compared to the Almighty Creator of everything. Even little children in North Korea don't need to be afraid when faced with soldiers who hold the guns. Remember God's greatness. Don't be afraid of anything in all of creation. God is bigger than we can comprehend. This idea of the difference between God. And us, God's vastness in all of creation. Is this turned off somehow? I'll just keep going. You can hear me, right? Good. Um, God's uh, vastness, the difference between God and us. That's the big truth that we're trying to communicate to our children in their first few years on earth. Did you know that, Danny? That's what we're trying to teach you, the biggest thing we're trying to teach you. As we see our own tininess... It can feel a bit unsettling because we begin to see how much greater God is, how little we are in control and how much he is. But actually, the shock of, oh, wow. the, shock <laughs> of the psalm is, um, is where we go from there. It's not just about God's uh, bigness, his power, his might, and his rule compared to our insignificance and tininess and so on. We spend most of our time on that, because I think that's probably what we most need help on. But um, uh, the the surprise is, verse 4, even still, God is so much bigger than we can comprehend. Even still, verse 4, God humbles himself to our level. Uh, So again, verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind, that you are mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them. You see, the, the real question in the psalmist's mind is, is not, um, uh, you know, why, why is God so much bigger than us? But rather, given that God is so much bigger than us, why should he care so much about tiny little specks of dust like me? Why would God give his attention to me? But deep down, we all desperately want him to, don't we? We need him to. We all want to matter. We all want to matter to to someone at least, don't we? Everyone wants to to matter to somebody. But deep down, we all want to matter to God. We all want to matter objectively. We all want the the, the final verdict on our life uh, not to be worthless or wasted. Now, if God is so massive, our instinctive reaction is, well, God's got bigger fish to fry. He wouldn't care about me or my life or my sufferings or my hopes or my fears. And perhaps there have been other people who've made you feel like that. Perhaps you've had that experience of feeling like you don't matter to someone whom you really should have mattered to, someone who should have cared about you, perhaps an employer or perhaps a friend. Perhaps a parent or a child, perhaps a spouse. It's very painful to experience that because we all want to matter, we all need to matter. And what Psalm 8 tells us is this, even though God is so much bigger than our minds can grasp, he humbles himself to our level. He cares about all the things in our lives. He cares about you, and he cares about me. He cares about us so much that Jesus Christ, God eternal, the Son who with the Father created time and space, came to earth. That's the story of Christmas. He shrank himself down from the vastness of infinity to a few centimetres of space took on a human nature. Do we really matter to God? Well, enough that he humbled himself, even to death on a cross, for me and for you. He lowered himself to our level because he cares about us. He came down to us. And actually, that leads to our our final thing. The final thing is the most amazing one. It's not just that God experiences our... Smallness with us, because as well as humbling himself to our level, the great Creator of the universe then raises us up to His level. He humbles himself to our level and raises us up to His. Verse five: You have made them humanity, mankind, a little lower than the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. It's echoes of uh, the creation account in the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, when God's fingers crafted the giant stars of the universe, and then out of dust, God made human beings, alone in all creation, in God's image, and given authority to be like God... In this universe that he created. Everything put under our feet. A job of ruling everything. What an honour. There's a problem, isn't there? With that idea that God created us and put everything uh, under our feet. Do you feel the problem, the tension? Look Look around at the world. Does it feel like everything is under our feet? Does it feel like we're in control of everything? That we have this godlike authority over the over the universe? Of course not. Our, our world is stricken by war. Our lives are chaotic. There's been a pandemic that, still, if you've heard the news, is still affecting all sorts of things. There's a cost of living crisis. It doesn't sound like everything is under my feet. <laughs> And um, actually, the Bible says that's right. It's right to feel that tension. Hebrews 2 um, uh, talks about this passage, and and it quotes these verses. Um, Hebrews 2, verse 8 says, In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. The world is in tatters ever since Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, everything began to fall apart. And yet this was God's plan for the universe. How does it fit together? Well, Hebrews leaves. We do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death, for everyone. You might still feel, be feeling confused. Well, God's plan was to give the rule of the world to a human. Uh, literally, both in Hebrews and in Psalm 8, the them is, is him. Uh, humanity is Man. Uh, because God's plan was to give the rule of the world to a human. He is crowned with glory and honour. And the clarity that the link might be obscured with, with the translation. But the idea is there was one human who was going to reconcile the whole world back to God by dying on the cross. He tasted death for everyone. And the result is, according to Hebrews, that he brings many sons and daughters... To glory, he came down to our level, tasted our death, so that he might bring sons and daughters to God, bringing us up to his level. We share his rule. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms. So where I want to finish is um, Ephesians chapter one, where Paul uh, refers to this psalm as well. Paul, a bit like. David, in in Psalm 8, is taking the the grand sweep of God's purposes in history. And Ephesians 1, verse 9 says this. God made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, and this is the mystery of God's will, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You see, God's plan for for all of time, the whole reason that we exist, that everything exists, is so that everything comes together under Jesus' feet. And the church is a part of that. So Paul continues, verse 22, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He is our head. We are under him. The church is where we see God's plan in action. Where we see things being under Christ. Under the feet of the one that Psalm 8 is really about. Even if the church looks weak and small and insignificant. And let's be honest, when uh, you look at the number of houses out there um, in um, uh, Northampton... It does feel weak and small and insignificant. And yet still the church is God's plan for humanity coming true. It's Psalm 8 fulfilled. And whereas now it's just the church which is under uh, God fully, uh, visibly, one day it will be the whole universe. God is making that happen through us. Psalm is coming true today in us. So, as we look at the stars in the universe, perhaps tonight there'll be fewer fireworks, so you might be able to see them. As you look at the stars in the universe, how are we to feel? Are we to see how massive God is? How small we are? And yet how privileged we are to be called rulers with Christ under Him, we're to rejoice in Jesus' rule and our unity with Him, that God would bring us to His level. So, do you matter? This is the perspective with which we need to approach 2023. With do you matter? Well, according to Psalm 8, more to God. Than anything else in the universe. So let's pray. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your great glory, you chose to send your Son to bring us to your glory. Please help us to feel the weight of that glory today and for the rest of this year. And so live with security and joy and purpose. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.